Okay, I wanted to say something which I think is summarizing about the Makot in Mitzrayim. And I, 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 I want to I want to make sure you, you understand that I think that there are two parallel uh, kinds of uh, stories that are being told. One is the story of the Jews and their Yitziat Mitzrayim. And the other is the story of the um, Egyptians and their non-Yitziat Mitzrayim. In other words, the fact that the Egyptians saw all the Makot and saw Moshe Rabbeinu and saw Aaron HaKohen and didn't impress them. At the end, it didn't impress them. So you have two different stories. Secondly, I think that the first eight makot, the first eight makot, the first eight makot are the makot of the Mitzrim. They're entirely about the Egyptians. They're entirely about giving the Egyptians a chance, right? A chance, which actually culminates. I said eighth, right? Eight, eight makot, but which actually culminates in the seventh makkah, the makkah of Arbe, which we will see in a minute, right? Actually, and then, I'm sorry, the makkah of Barat, the makkah of Barat. So if you look at the sheet, if you look at the sheet, the first section on the sheet, Shemot Perektet, is about the makkah of Barat. Yes? Hello. How are you? Okay, how are you? Relax. Yeah, relax. Okay. The again, the Makkah of Barad, the Makkah of Barad is the seventh Makkah. At the end, it's at the end of the parasha of Va'era, last week's, last week's parasha. And when the, the, there are two things about the Barad that are interesting. One is that uh, if you look at the Pasuk Yudchet, Peretet Pasuk Yudchet, it says, Hineni mamtir ke'et bachar barad kaveit ba'od, asher lo ayakamo b'mitzrayim l'mida yom, hivazda ra'adata. So let's read it again. Hinini, Akadish Barhu speaking. Right, Hinini. Mamtir. Now what is Mamtir? It's the word Matar. Right? What is Matar? It's water. It's, it's rain. Okay, it's rain. But it's, but the point is that it's water. Right? My point. And then it says it'll attack the people, the animals, uh, the fields. Water, water, and then uh, later on, Pesukav Bet, Vayom Hashem al Moshe Meteit Yadcha Al Hashemayim Veibarad Bechol Eretz Mitzrayim Al Haadam Ve Al Behema Ve Al Kol Eisav Asadev Eretz Mitzrayim, and then Moshe Rabbeinu did it. Right, he did it. He, with his arm, he made like this, and there was Barad. Now, what is Barad as far as we know? Hail. It's Matar. 
right? Matar water. Water is going to do all this damage. But then Pasukav Gimu, Pasukav Gimu, it says <coughs> it says Pasukav Gimu Vayet Moshet Mateu Ala Shamay. And then Moshe Rabbeinu does with the staff, whatever he does, ala shamayim, v'ashem natan kolot u'barad, v'tihalech esh arza, v'yamter ashem barad al eretz v'tzayim. So all of a sudden, this fire, this water, matar, and this fire. Rashi, in his, you know, classic uh, statement, Rashi says, Pasuk of Dalit, right? Pasuk of Dalit, Vahi Barad, Vahesh mit lakachat, Vitocha Barad, Kabeit Maod, Asherlo Yakamohu, Bukoleris, Vitrai, Miazaita, Ligoi. So they never had such a thing. Of course, no one ever had such a thing. Water and fire together coming down from heaven. Rashi says, famous Rashi, it So now he calls Barad. We call Barad today. We call it those ices that the kids eat, you know, look ices with sugar. Isn't that called Barad? Something like that. I've never I've never indulged. It was when we used to go out to kiosks. We'll go out to where? You and I used to go out to kiosks. Kiosk. Me? Me? Kiosk? Well, that was in 20 years before. Moshe. That kiosk. Yeah. I never went. I still go. So it says, Nes, Nes Bitoch Nes. Another way of saying Nes Bitoch Nes is a super Nes. I mean, not only was the barad a nes, so the barad, the barad might be frozen, but it's water, right? And the fire is fire. And so together, they were very devastating. Barad mayim hu, Rashi says. When we speak of barad, we're talking about water, water that is ice. What? Isn't it like hail? Hail. Could be. You mean like, how would it look in the movie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Abarad Maimu, La Sotritzon Konam, Asu Shalom Beinehem. Listen to Rashi. It's like a great Rashi. You don't have to do anything, just read this Rashi and talk about it. So Rashi says that while the Makkah is devastating the Egyptians, the symbolism in the Makkah is, is, I lost the place. Here. In order, because they were following the demands of God, of the Creator, in other words, in the world, in the world there are certain things that represent a lack of peace. One of them is, according to Rashi, the fact that water and fire don't get along with each other, in spite of Chadgadya. Right, in spite of that, water and fire don't, fire don't get along. And here they made peace. Peace means things that don't get along do get along. That's called 
that's called peace. But here we're talking about things that their nature is not to get along. So in other words, this was done, this was the final act that was done for the benefit of Paro and Mitzrayim. It's true, it was devastating. It harmed them. They, they, the animals died, the, the crops were, were, were destroyed. But beyond that, if they could just take a look, if the Paro could just take a look and see what was going on, he would see a power that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had that he, he was free to recognize. But he couldn't. He couldn't recognize it. But instead of recognizing that power, he did something else. He did something else. And if you look uh, at Pasuk of Zion, I mean, I, I, again, if you look at Pasuk of Zion, it says this. So the barad, the ice and the water and the fire have devastated the country. Paro calls Moshe and Aaron Vayomelahem. You see these words? Chatati, Hapaam, Hashem, Hatzadik, Vani, Vami, Harishaim. Mamash, Choser Betshuva. Choser Betshuva? Even Shuva Gmura. Do you ever hear such a statement? In the previous times, the previous times in, uh, uh, in, in Svardeya and Arov and Arbe, Paro says, okay, you can go. But he doesn't say, I, Paro, and my people are doing tshuva. That's what he says. That's what he says here in Pasuk of Zion. So that you might think, you might think that this process was successful. That this process was successful. What process? The process of getting Paro to understand that Hashem that God is in control, or there's some sort of control. But that was the whole idea. Dam Kinim that Paro should understand Paro and the Egyptians. And here finally what does Paro say? Ani Ami Harishaim. He says he speaks not only for himself, but he speaks for the entire nation of Egypt. The entire nation of Egypt. So I say postulate, I think that Yitziat Mitzrayim, the first seven makot, actually the eighth but I'll tell you about the eighth in a minute the first seven makot are about convincing Paro and the Egyptians that Yitziat Mitzrayim Yitziat Mitzrayim is going to be a breaking asunder of the connection between the Jews and the Egyptians and that connection is called, it has a name in Hebrew, it's called avdut, slavery. That was the connection. Slaves don't have freedom of, of decision-making, of choice, the kind, whatever freedom people have who are not slaves, slaves don't have that. Slaves don't have that. That freedom had to be, had to be uh, 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 gained in two ways by B'nai Yisrael being worthy of that freedom to some extent, and by the, Egyptian, the, the Egyptians determining their fate as being unworthy of leaving Mitzrayim at the same time. They are not going to leave Mitzrayim, even though we know that there was an Erev that left Mitzrayim, but they were very small, insignificant, even though we blame them for a lot of things, it was small and insignificant. So the end, this is actually the end of the story. But the story has an appendix. 
an addition. And what is the addition to the story? It's the Makkah of Arbeh, which is the beginning of the Parsha of Bo. That's our Parsha, right? The Makkah of Arbeh. And this is not on the sheet. This is not on the sheet, but I just want you... Just one second. I have a Chumash. It's cheating, I know, but... But I couldn't help myself. So, uh, again... Uh, just one second. Just one second. After the Baka of Arbe, Arbe locusts, right? Locusts, we even have them in Israel from time to time. In Egypt, they have them all the time. They have locusts all the time. But this was a big Makkah of locust. A locust, the Makkah of locust, like a cloud. They come, they come across, you know, before they alight on your crops. They fly in, and they're sort of like a, like a cloud. And, and if you're under the cloud of locusts, you get the shade. You feel the difference. So there was this Makkah of Arbe, which was greater than any Arbe that ever came on the face of the earth, right? And so at the end... What? Again, Perik Yud, if you want to make a note, Perik Yud Pasuk Vav, Pasuk Zayim. Let, let them go. Right? So Paro says, go. Get out. Right? He goes back to the same thing he said after the Makot of Tzvardeya and Arov. Tzvardeya, Arov, and Arbe. Paro says, get out. Go. And then after the Makkah passes, he changes his mind and he says, You can't go. So, in other words, Paro reneges. Paro first says, you can go, after the Arbe, and then he reneges. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? The, the, again, I don't want to, I want to summarize. The Makkah of, the seventh Makkah, the second Makkah is the Makkah of Barad. The Makkah of Barad caused Paro to do tshuva. So you could say that the makot, the seven makot was successful. Six makot, he didn't do tshuva. The seven makot, he did tshuva, that he did tshuva in the name of the people of Mitzrayim. They all did tshuva. The eighth makot, we go back to the previous pattern. So what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of telling a story? In terms of me trying to understand what's happening according to the story that is being told here in the Chumash, 
that, <coughs> that it's true that Paro did tshuva, but it wasn't the kind of tshuva that lasts. It wasn't something that is really became part of him. It was just something he said. Something he said in order to get the makah of, of Barad to cease. How do I know that? Because in Arbeh, the next makah of locusts, he goes back to the pattern that he had before. And he says, no, I'm not going to let you all go. You want to all go? You can't all go. Right? He goes back, he goes back to that. He forgot about the fact that he was already overwhelmed by what God had but by what God had done. Okay? That's one idea. I hope it was clear. Really did be doing, but not okay. You could you could say Because that. he says I did it, but we don't see a change in behavior, right? Well, yeah, but the, it, it, we don't see a change in behavior. That's why you need the Arbeh. That's why you need the Arbeh. So it turns out that the first eight makot, the first eight makot can be understood as the makot for Paro and Mitzrayim. Right? Now the ninth makah in the parish, which is in the parish of Bo, the ninth makah is as Choshech. And everybody knows that Choshech was not really a Makkah. At least that nothing to do with the Egyptians. Because who was killed in Choshech? All the bad Jews. The people who were not prepared to adopt redemption. The people who were not willing to go out of Mitzrayim. They were the ones who were killed. The and so, who also killed one then? What? The Egyptians were also killed in darkness one day. So the Egyptians, no? How do you know that? Can you say in the Pasuk? Uh, well, not exactly. It says... <coughs> it says... One second. <coughs> the 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 pasuk says in the parsha starts by Yom Hashem al Moshe neteyat chalashamay vichoshech al Eretz Mitzrayim by Yom Ishchoshech. That's what the pasuk says. Moshe Rabbeinu, pick up your hand, and there'll be darkness. Darkness. But there's no conversation with Paro. Nobody went to Paro and said, Hey, Paro, let us out. If you don't let us out, don't be choshech. And then who knows what will happen. No. This has nothing to do with Paro. This has nothing to do with Paro. This has to do with some independent rationale. But... Some of the Jews suffered. That's what Chazal say. That even though, even though the darkness did not affect B'nai Yisrael, the metaphor is clear, which I will, I will talk about in a minute, right? And then Paro said, So he, he, he rejects Choshech. He rejects Choshech. Obviously, it must have harmed him as well. That's what you say. But Chazal said, Chazal said, it doesn't seem that the Makkah of Choshech is really a Makkah. What does it mean that they couldn't see? So they couldn't see. It's not as bad as, as some of the Makkot that were, were previously. 
So now we have what there previously. So we have the following pattern again. We have eight makot about Paro, about Mitzrayim. The first makot were about Mitzrayim. In fact, in some of the makot it says that there was a kind of barrier between the land of Goshen and the land of Mitzrayim, so that the Makkah affected the Egyptians but didn't affect the Jews. So it says with Feirush that these Makot were about Mitzrayim. These Makot were about Mitzrayim, the Mitzrim. The ninth Makkah, the ninth place, is unique for two reasons. One, because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't come to discuss it with Paro. And second, because Chazal say that during the Makkah of Choshech, the people who didn't deserve Geula died. They died at that time in the, the Makkah of Choshech. There are a few other odd things about Choshech. Doesn't that means that the Makkah of Choshech is preparation for Yitziat Mitzrayim. The, 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 the last Makkah in the Parsha of Bo is the Makkah of Makkah Bechorot. Makkah Bechorot, right? Makkah Bechorot. What's Makkah Bechorot? It's the Makkah which led to Yitziat Mitzrayim. So, of course, you could ask, if the Makkah Bechorot led to Yitziat Mitzrayim, why didn't we start with the Makkah Bechorot? Why couldn't we do that? So the answer is because we did start from the Makkah Bechorot. If you look at it properly, the first seven slash eight Makkot were about the Egyptians, right? Were about the Egyptians. The ninth Makkah was preparatory to Yitziat Mitzrayim because the good people, the people who didn't deserve to leave died. And so the Makkah, the tenth Makkah, what we call the tenth Makkah, Makkah Bechorot, was the Makkah that led B'nai Israel out of Mitzrayim. Right, which led to Kriyat Yamsuf, which led to Shirat Hayam. In other words, Shirat Hayam, Shirat Hayam is the proof. Is the proof? Is the proof? Is <laughs> the proof that B'nai Yisrael deserved to leave Mitzrayim. Because the tefillah of Shirat Hayam, however you, you understand it, maybe we'll try next week, the tefillah of Shirat Hayam, proved that they had spiritual value. They saw God acting. That was the Shirat Hayam. Besides the fact that it, they call it a Shirat, we don't know what a Shirat is, but Shirat Hayam is about looking at the reality and saying, isn't it wonderful that God did it? That was Shirat Hayam. And that's the proof that B'nai Yisrael deserved or, 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 or were, were prepared or are appropriate for Yitziat Mitzrayim. And that the Egyptians, the Egyptians were wiped out. The Egyptians were wiped out, wiped out meaning they didn't get it. They didn't get anything. They get in the whole process so that you could say that if HaKadosh Baruch knew that the Egyptians wouldn't get it, it was important for some reason for us to know that the Egyptians didn't get it. It was important for us to know that the Egyptians didn't get it. So you have that, that idea. And finally, finally there's another idea. There's another idea which I think is, is uh, in the imagery of the, of the parasha. And that is the idea of choshech, of darkness. What is dark it? Darkness? Darkness. Ruch Choshech al Tehom, right? The beginning of the Torah, you remember? And then one of the phrases is Choshech al Tehom. 
So that means choshech is a state, darkness is a state that exists before creation. Before creation. What was the first thing that was created? What was the first thing that was created? Or, 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 or in other words, choshech represents lack of creation. And or represents creation. Now that or had to be modified, mitigated, Chazal said. You couldn't like, live in a world of or all the time. So we have day and night. We have vayavdel. Vayavdel means we differentiate. There's or during the day, there's or during the night, but it's not quite the same. It's not choshech al It's not overwhelming choshech, but it's a variable thing that we can live with. We can put up with it. Or we can't put up with too much for us. And too much for us. So now, you know that the Egyptians, the Egyptians got their sustenance from the Nile. And this was considered to be, by Chazal, to be, to be the source of their inability, inability to appreciate God's place in the world. Because if you don't have to, if you don't need water, then you don't have to daven. Davening, in essence, and that's what it says in the Pasuk, right? In Breshit. Breshit Perpet, I mention it often. Breshit Perpet. Right before things started to grow, the pasuk says, "Because there was no rain, there's no rain." I mean, in Mitzrayim there certainly was no rain, but in the rest of the world, in God Eden, there was no rain, so nothing grew. So he says, "Adam ayin Adam ayin." So what does Rashi say? That he didn't daven. There was no one to daven. In order to, in order to have rain, you have to daven. <coughs> so the Chazal took this to mean you have to live in a world of uncertainty in order to be religious. In order to declare your dependency on God, you have to be aware of the fact that life is a little bit shaky. If you don't think that anything is shaky, everything is constant. If you think that in the winter it'll there'll always be enough water and in the summer there'll always be enough sunshine, if you live in that state of mind, you're not going to daven because everything is already perfect. So the imperfection in the created world, Adam Ayin, <coughs> meant that man had to daven in order that the rain should come. The Egyptians were perceived metaphorically or literally as the place, the people who lived in a place where they didn't have to daven for rain because the Nile would overflow and the waters would come from the Nile and they would irrigate the fields and everything would grow. That was, uh, that was you remember Yosef? You remember him? He was in Egypt where everything continued to flourish where in other places things were dying out. Right? So... So that made sense. It made sense in, the, in this conception of things. So that, that for, the, for the, uh, the Egyptians, 
for the Egyptians, they're missing this moment of distinguishing the light from the darkness. They're missing this opportunity to distinguish the light from the darkness and therefore our bear. What is our bear? Our bear is a cloud. Our bear is a cloud that makes everything dark. It's not the makkah of darkness. Yes, that's true. But it does make things dark. Even today, even today, you know, if you go to Discovery, your Discovery Channel, and you like uh, look for a movie about locusts, you'll see that it's a cloud. And oh, it knocks out the sun. So that the message, the message to the Egyptians in the makkah of Arbe, the message to the Egyptians was that their world was a world of darkness. And that was, you know, from there you went into, into this idea. You went into this idea that, uh, that there could be choshech all the time. That was the Egyptians. It had nothing to do with, with people living or people dying. But that choshech means it's undivided. Right? There's no day and night. The, 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 the world is, is, you know, the vayabdel in the, uh, in the Chumash, the dividing, dividing up the day from the night, making the world a place where we can find our, we can accommodate ourselves to, because it's not so overwhelming. It's not so much face-to-face with God. It's not something that, that we can't put up with. <coughs> but the Egyptians, the Egyptians lived in the world of darkness. Which is why after the eight makot, the nine makot, they were still willing to take up the charge and run after B'nai Israel with a svara. They would say that, well, maybe the God of, of the Jews operates in the cities of Egypt, but is not going to operate much out in the, the wilderness of, of Yamsuf. So, so these were, these were the, uh, I want to just, um, and on, on this regard, there's a posseg in Yechezkel. If you look at the second side of the sheet, there's a posseg in Yechezkel. Yechezkel's a novi. Yes? Yeshaya, Yirmiyah, Yechezkel. The big three. And then the twelve little. But the big three is Yeshayahu, Yirmiyah, and Yechezkel. Yechezkel uh, 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 is very, very interesting and difficult. It's a difficult book. And that's why even people who learn Tanakh don't usually learn Yechezkel. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't give it a try. Daber Marta. God says to the Navi, the last pasuk on the second page, Daber Marta ko amar Hashem elokim I'm coming against you, Paro Melech Mitzrayim. Atanim Agadol Aroveitz Mitochi Orav. The big fish, the whales, something like that. Aroveitz Mitochi Orav that are kind of sitting around in, in, the, in their rivers. Asher Amar Li. They said to me, God says, they, the Egyptians, said to me, Yaori, Li Yaori, Vaani Asitini. 
and I did it to them. So it's like a little bit unclear, but let's look at Rashi. Atanim Hagadol. You see the Rashi? Atanim Hagadol. Levishikol Gidul Atashel Mitzrayim. All the greatness of Mitzrayim. We call Sova Sheba and all the sated, all the sated people in their midst. Yeori, Ayidei Yeori, through my river. Nilus, who? It is the Nile. Lefika Chanavi, Memshalet Malka, Litanin, and therefore the Navi Yecheskel compares the king of Egypt to a big fish. Vetama, Lidegat Yeor, and the people are like smaller fish in the river. Then the words Li Yeori, Eini Tzarich Yonim. I don't need to have any connection to the higher authorities, meaning God. Kiyeshli Yeori must speak called Sorki, that my river, the Nile, gives me whatever whatever I need. So that the Egyptians lived in an undifferentiated world. There wasn't a world of light and darkness. There wasn't a world of heaven and, and earth for the Egyptians. Because for the Egyptians, it was all the same. It was like darkness. It was like darkness because they didn't have any need. They didn't have any need for the light. They didn't have any need for heaven. They didn't have any need for the, for the rain. And because they had no need for the rain, because they had no need for the rain, they were not able to absorb the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to impose upon them. And this is the simple idea that we saw with Malkitzedek, right after the Milchemet Dalet, Dalet Ablachimet Achamisha. Just one second. Here we are. Here we are. <coughs> Here we are. We actually. Malki Tzedek Melech Shalem. This is after the battle. Avram Avinu is victorious. Malki Tzedek Melech Shalem. Hotzi Lechem V'yayin. He took out, he took bread and wine. A minhag that is of, of great ancestry. Ru Kohen El Yom. He, Malki Tzedek, was a Kohen for the, the great God. Vayivarcheil Vayomar. And he blessed him. Malki Tzedek. Abraham, Baruch Abraham Le'el Elyon. Blessed should be Abraham to El Elyon. What does El Elyon mean? That there's one God. El Elyon, the, the highest one. Well, this can only be one highest one, I guess. Right? The one highest one. El Elyon. Konesh Shamayim Va'aretz. The owner of heaven and earth. So that... <coughs> The ownership of heaven and earth comes because comes to us because because we have this uh, this need to complete things to fulfill somehow what we think could be in the world to make it 
uh, a more uh, a, a more reasonable place to live in. We don't say it is as it should be, but it is as it might be, and it might be whatever it, it takes to daven. In other words, there are certain things that we are control, we control, and there are certain things that we seem that we don't control, so we have to turn to God. And the main thing that we don't control is rain. The main thing we don't control is rain. There could be years we have enough rain, we have less rain, we have more rain, but we don't control it, even today. Today is a long time, a long time since the Torah was written. Certainly a long time since Chazal thought about, about these things, but it's the same. It really hasn't changed. You know, you could drop uh, ice cubes on clouds and it doesn't make that much difference. It's just cute. So, so uh, uh, the Egyptians, the Egyptians lived in the world of darkness. So in the world of darkness, the Jews who had become influenced by the Egyptians were exposed. They were exposed because everybody else ran away from the world of darkness. Right? All of the Jews, all the Jews had light. They ran away. They couldn't live in that world of darkness without hope, without expectation. That's what Geula is about, isn't it? That's what redemption is. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. But it doesn't factor in how things are at the moment, right? They, they can be tremendously miserable at the moment, but ultimately, ultimately, you f- you you feel the the light. It's the light that determines your worldview. But that's only if you have light. If there is light, so the makkah of Arbeb, besides being whatever it was, also was the makkah of darkness which returned the Egyptians to their original position before they did tshuva. And it could be, as Barbara says, maybe the tshuva that they did was only vidui. Right? That's the halacha, right? You, you, if you do vidui, confession, but you don't really mean it, so you didn't do anything. Right? That's the halacha, that's in the Gibara, but it's also halacha in the Rambam. So it could be that that's what, what it is, but, but it doesn't say that. In the Chumash, Chumash, you could say, maybe they did do Vidui, maybe they did do Tshuva, maybe they really did Tshuva, but Tshuva, <coughs> Tshuva itself is not enough. You have to have confidence that there's a future. Otherwise, what difference does it make if I do an Aveira or I do a, or I do a Mitzvah? I mean, it's got a, like the difference is not something that happens at the, on the moment, but it's something that is a, it's a long-term investment, so to speak. So, they, as, just to summarize once again, that the Makot of Mizraim were the Makot for... The Makot for... Mizraim. For Paro. The Makot for Paro. And the last Makot for Paro was the seventh. The seventh Makot, in which he is Choser B'Tshuva, apparently. The eighth Makot is necessary in order that we should understand that his Tshuva was only temporary, partial, uh, uh, not, com- not as complete as it might be. And, uh, and, and therefore, therefore you need eight makot to take care of Paro. The ninth makot, a makot of Choshech, is also a makot against B'nai Israel, the people who joined in with the Choshech, the people who were like with the Choshech of Mitzrayim. They were, they were, they died during the makot of Choshech. And then Yitziat Mitzrayim takes place 
in Makat Bechorot, which is the last of the ten, which is the last of the ten Makot. Makat Bechorot produced Yitziat Mitzrayim, the physical, horizontal Yitziat Mitzrayim, which culminated, which culminated at uh, Yamsuf, at the Sea of Reeds, and the great miracle, right, Kriyat Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea, which led to Shirat Hayam. And Shirat Hayam, Shirat Hayam is the great expression of faith. It's the statement that B'nai Yisrael, what, what was the great uh, expression of faith? They said, we know God did it. Yeah. Right, God did it, God did it. It wasn't just that they said, hey, we won, and, we're, and the, 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 the uh, chariots are overturned, and they're all drowning in Mitzrayim, but, but they sang this, Ashir al-Hashem, that they can connect it, they can connect Ashir al-Hashem, to you know, the, the, the stupid horses were in the sea, so they drowned. But you didn't have to say, you know, you didn't have to say, but they said, no, no, every detail. It's like in the Agoda. The Agoda says, if you look hard, you can find a lot of, a lot of nisim uh, and niflaot, right? The, the Tanoim say, there were 50 miracles, there were 250 miracles, right? You can look, you just look hard. So that was B'nai Yisrael led the way. They said it was all God, the hand of God. And therefore, by saying that, by saying that in singing what we call Shirat Hayam, singing or not singing, I don't know how they did it, <coughs> that Shirat Hayam proved, Shirat Hayam proved that they were special that they came from a place where there was no separation between the light and the darkness, and they themselves were able to maintain a serious connection, a serious connection to the light, meaning the influence or the actions of HaKadosh Baruch in the world that we live in. And therefore, on that basis, they were able to make a claim for the Torah, to receive the Torah. It was on that that basis. It wasn't just that they left Mitzrayim, so to speak, uh, you know, horizontally, that they were here and then they became there. That wasn't the point. It was that they actually left a world. They split off, as we said at the beginning, they split themselves off from the world of the Egyptians, which certainly had an influence on them and certainly was something that was, uh, uh, that had to think about, that uh, to, to deal with. But they proved they proved that they were worthy of receiving the Torah by, by the Shirat Hayam. Shirat Hayam. And, in, and, and, and I always say the Shirat Hayam, right, Chazal say, that not only did they prove that they knew what world they were living in, but they all received kind of a prophecy. You all received the prophecy, and that the, the, the Shifcha, Aswat Hayam, the maidservant, at the at the uh, the sea was greater in prophecy than Yechezkel ben Buzi. Yechezkel ben Buzi. We just read a pasuk from Yechezkel ben Buzi, right? We just read that pasuk. So what does that mean? Where's the prophecy? Where's the prophecy? I mean, they said, I mean, that's what they saw. 
So good, so they recognize it. What's the prophecy? They they understood what Avram Avinu understood. Avram Avinu also understood Zekeli Where's the prophecy? There's a prophecy. Where is it? Yeah, you must have heard that from someone. <laughs> That's what it says in the Pesach, right? Mikdash Hashem Kodenu Yadecha The Beit HaMikdash God will establish What do you mean? What's it got to do with Yitziat Mitzrayim? What's it got to do with Shiat Yam? What's it got to do with what's going on? Well, prophets, they have to prophesy You know, they see it They see it, that's what they, they said They not only saw the present In a special way Right, which is what Shiratayam is mostly about, but adds like like a, a, a alongside of that, they also saw Mikdash Hashem They saw that the Beit Hamikdash, that that the present has implications for the future. Right, that the next great thing that's going to happen is going to affect Am Yisrael is the Mikdash, the Beit Hamikdash. They saw that. They 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 saw that so. That's what the uh, uh, that's what the Chachamim meant when they said when they said Eskel ben Buzi, his prophecy was not as great. He had a prophecy about the Egyptians and the Nile and how the you know how the Egyptians were not uh, uh, clear in their relationship to God. Okay, but they didn't see the Beit Hamikdash. They didn't see the Mikdash Hashem called in the Yadecha. That's in Shirat Ayam. That's in Shiratayam. You say it every day. So it's there every day. Could they, they, the prophecy be indicated by Az Yashir? What did the Olam Abba? Olam Abba. Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. Yeah, Olam Abba is of Az Yashir. But this is a Pasuk. You, you have only a grammatical variance. I'm telling you a Pasuk. Okay. Okay. Have a good challenge. It's interesting to know that if you want to, from a science point of view, Boran, that will kill people, you have to have thunder and lightning. It's, it's so Let's clear that the north is in. Boran that will kill people. You have to have thunder and lightning. You have to have a thunderstorm. That's the only kind of storm that will make Boran so heavy that it will kill people. Naturally. Naturally. Okay. Okay. It's a miracle. You, you heard it. You heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>